Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Between Americans' hectic on-the-go lifestyle pre-COVID, the pandemic prompting everyone to hit pause, followed by hybrid work schedules, inflation rates at 40-year highs, and increased expectations that food not only nourish the body, but also the mind, how and what Americans are eating is in a constant state of flux. Recently published research from the NPD group confirms not only is the practice of eating three square meals a day no longer dominant, but it finds Americans increasingly skip meals entirely, whether because they prefer a collection of snacks or a state of constant grazing as they balance the demands of their day, or because they're trying to cut out calories or costs as inflation continues to drive food prices up double digits year over year. Of course, many people still eat traditional meals, but what and where they're dishing up is equally influenced by their physical and emotional health goals, time constraints, how much they have to spend, and even their life stage. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, NPD Group Food Industry Advisor David Portaladin shares insights from the group's 37th Annual Eating Patterns in America report, including how economic uncertainty, the pandemic, a quasi-return to quote-unquote real life, and our hyper-awareness of wellness are impacting eating decisions. He also shares how these shifts are creating opportunities and challenges for the food and beverage brands and retailers, and how they can make the most of the ever-evolving situation. One of the most influential macro trends impacting how Americans eat is inflation, which continued to rise 0.4% in October for food at home, so that year-over-year grocery prices are up a staggering 12.4%, according to the most recent Consumer Price Index data released last week. As Porta Latin explains, the biggest impact of inflation on food purchases is that it's pushing many Americans to trade down. But what this means depends heavily on their starting point, with more affluent consumers trading down from restaurants and food service to premium retail options, and lower income shoppers moving from national retail brands to private label. In both instances, Porta Latin says there is significant opportunity for brands, retailers, and even restaurants. Inflation really is the biggest story right now. And let's face it, consumers are going to cut back spending. Uh, we're not really prepared to eat less. So you know, first and foremost, we're going to make room in our uh, share of wallet by cutting back on other areas like maybe apparel or, or some of our uh, more discretionary expenditures. Within, within the food and beverage space, you know, we're, we're going to continue to provide for our needs in that area. One of the things where I think people may initially uh, misread what's happening is they look at the fact that inflation in the grocery aisle right now is increasing much faster than inflation at restaurants. I think in September, the CPI for food at home was 13.5%, whereas uh, you know, food at restaurants was 8.5%. Uh, I may be off a half a percent there. In, in, e- in either case... Um, some people would look at that and conclude, well, this is perhaps making a restaurant meal uh, appear to be relatively more affordable. That's really not the case because over the last decade, 
uh, grocery prices have been relatively stable, whereas restaurant prices have been increasing 3 to 5% every single year. And so over time, the relative gap between sourcing any given eating occasion at a restaurant versus a retail store has become wider and wider and wider. In fact, uh, the average check in, over the course of 2022 at a, at a restaurant is about $7.25. Uh, if you compare the average eating occasion, and now averages are dangerous because um, you know, we could have just had a bottle of water, we could have had a five-course meal, but the average eating occasion at a retail store is only about $1.65. And so even though uh, that $1.65 is increasing in price faster than the $7.25, the real dollar impact on the American consumer is greater on the restaurant side. And so you know, inflation is one of the things that continues to create a little more pressure on food service than it does to retail. Uh, and especially for lower income consumers, uh, it's driving more of that trade out of restaurants and into uh, the retail aisle. I think it's an opportunity to, you know, obviously create value for the consumer. So, you know, those consumers that might be trading out of the restaurant space are looking at a, a you know, a higher expenditure now that will stretch further in the retail aisle. And so it does create some opportunities for, you know, even in this environment for a consumer to think about maybe I will get something that is of, of a little more value even if it's at a slightly higher price point uh, because I'm still spending way less money than I would have if I would have eaten out. And I think that's going to be true of more affluent consumers who are trading out some occasions into restaurants. On the other hand, you know, those that are under the most economic pressure and lower income tiers are already uh, you know, starting to trade down even within the grocery aisle. So from a premium uh, segment, maybe down to a more value-priced segment, uh, or even a store brand uh, or private label uh, item, and you know the the key is to understand who the consumer is, you know, across that spectrum, and uh, you know create opportunities for them to have value-driven uh, food choices. And when I say value in food, it's always important to remember that in food, the, the absolute lowest price is not necessarily always the the ultimate determining factor. Now, you can, we can demonstrate that when you change prices, it moves consumer behavior, and there's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, uh, a big part of our experience with food and beverages is not just the functional uh, satisfying our, of our hunger. It's also the emotional uh, benefits that we get from enjoying what we eat. Um, so we're still going to opt for the things that we crave, the things that taste great, the things that we really love. Um, those are also great opportunities uh, for food and beverage manufacturers or food service operators uh, to offer those items that really satisfy consumers, even if they sell at a slightly higher price point. Despite high inflation and some trading down, consumers in general are still spending the same amount on groceries as they were two years ago, a phenomenon that Porta Latin attributes to government stimulus money that helped Lion Consumers Savings Account and a relatively strong employment market. But as those stimulus funds drain down and concerns about layoffs increase, industry could see another shift in dietary patterns. One of the things that we, we look at with, uh, 
with inflation uh, and, and really with consumer spend in general is we, we have to acknowledge that you know, over the last couple of years, um, the, one of the effects of stimulus was to create a tremendous amount of excess savings that enabled consumers to spend uh, even as prices were rising. Consumers were able to absorb a lot of this price and, and continue to spend. Uh, where we are now is that uh, you know, we're spending through that excess spend, and you're starting to see uh, consumer credit debt uh, rise again, for example. And I think this is especially acute, again, among the lower income tiers. We really, across the board, see this income bifurcation where you know, more affluent consumers are behaving differently than uh, lower income consumers. Uh, but I think that's the biggest change now is that the inflation pressure is even more acute than it was before because we're, we're, we're no longer uh, so flush with all the excess um, spending capacity. Now, one, one of the interesting things is uh, as, as we look at prices in the food and beverage space and uh, across the restaurant space and the retail space, you know, it would appear that at least the rate of increase on prices is starting to slow down. And that, that doesn't mean that food and beverages are getting less expensive, but it means that at least they're not accelerating at quite the rate that they were. Um, and fortunately, right now, we still have a pretty healthy uh, employment situation and wages and salaries are rising. And so I think that at least holds out the possibility that um, the consumer can catch up a little bit and things, things may stabilize. Um, I think the biggest risk uh, to the consumer right now is if anything were to happen in the macroeconomic environment that would change the employment market. And uh, if you started to see unemployment rise um, and, and things of that nature, uh, that's when I think you'd start to see uh, the pain become even more acute uh, on consumers. And again, I would reiterate, I'm a I'm a consumer behavior analyst, not an economist, so I, I wouldn't want to speculate on those things. But you know, one of the things that is clear to us, for example, is that um, when we try to forecast out restaurant behavior, you know, disposable income and employment are good indicators of people's capacity to spend. And right now, you know, those things are okay. Um, they they don't necessarily look like a recession. I think that's part of why you have all this debate. Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Well, you know, there are some things that look okay right now. You have, certainly there are some others that are troubling, and, and I don't want to minimize uh, you know, some of the economic pain that a lot of consumers are feeling, but it's a bit of a mixed bag. The current inflationary environment also is reinforcing another macro trend that Porta Latin says was accelerated by the pandemic and which is likely here to stay, and that's eating at home more which opens up a lot of opportunities for retailers that can offer affordable, convenient, and compelling meal solutions. Consumers were becoming more home-centric before the pandemic. Of course, that intensified uh, pretty significantly when people were staying at home more. Uh, but now that we're moving back and, and mobility is coming back and we're moving into the workforce, we're still more home-centered in our daily lives uh, than we were before. And so at the highest level, that means that we still see a slight shift in the share of eating occasions that are comprised of foods and beverages that we purchased at a retail store, and then typically those items were brought home and put into our pantry, our refrigerator, our freezer. In other words, 
Um, these are the at-home uh, eating occasions. And for us, that's about 85% of everything that we eat or drink uh, is, is coming from a retail store that you know, we would call sourced from home. Uh, it's a universe that we measure is about 577 billion eating occasions annually. So you know, 85% of those occasions is a lot of occasions. And then that would mean about 15% are coming from a food service source, which could be a commercial restaurant. Uh, it could be a non-commercial food outlet like an elementary school cafeteria or um, a healthcare facility, uh, but that would in total be about 15%. Now, to compare that to where we were a few years ago, it's, it's been about a two percentage point shift to this at-home side of the equation. And you know, while that doesn't seem like a lot, remember the universe is 577 billion eating occasions. So. Um, yeah, to echo what those CPG executives are telling you, this is giving a little more momentum to trips into the retail store, a little more headwind into trips at uh, commercial restaurants or other non-commercial food service outlets. Now, we see all kinds of opportunities for growth, both on the retail side and on the food service side, and there's no shortage of restaurant operators who are doing very, very well right now. But in all cases, what's really driving this is this home centricity of consumers. So what happens within the four walls of our home is forever more important than it used to be. And so, for example, on the food service side of the equation, uh, we are increasingly consuming the meals that we buy from a commercial restaurant inside our homes. And so it's really at home uh, that is driving a lot of uh, behavior in the marketplace today. Even as consumers continue to spend more time at home, mobility is returning, as are demands for time, which means convenience is becoming increasingly important. According to Porta Latin, the need for fast, easy solutions is pushing some consumers to change where they shop, including at once-dismissed STI stores. Convenience really is the big story in 2022. Um, you know, we're taking all of these home-centric behaviors where we prepared more meals at home, we invested the time to do so, and there's some stickiness to those behaviors, but we're now also reintroducing the mobility and all of the time constraints um, that we had before. And so we're really looking for convenient solutions to solve for all of our uh, meal occasions. One of the things that we measure is how much prep time uh, the consumer puts into any given uh, meal occasion, whether that's you know breakfast, lunch, dinner, between meals, whatever. And the largest increase year over year were those occasions that required less than five minutes to prepare. Now, if you think about the kind of things that uh, take less than five minutes to prepare, there's a whole lot of uh, heat and eat, ready to eat, open the bag or the box. In other words, you know, packaged uh, snack foods or ready to eat items. Um, you know, things that I could pop in a toaster oven or a microwave. Um, so consumers are really returning to those uh, convenience-oriented items. This is really uh, having an influence in the morning day part. Morning is when the time crunch is its most intense, and convenience is really the order of the day at breakfast. Um, and that's one of the reasons that on the food service side of things, the morning meal day part is doing a little bit better, recovering at a little faster pace than other parts of the day because it's incredibly convenient and at a value price point uh, to just hit the drive through window and get a breakfast sandwich somewhere. Uh, so, so that breakfast sandwich is a pretty convenient 
uh, meal solution uh, that also packs a punch. You know, it's got all of the elements in it. It's got some carb. It's got some protein. Uh, it can create some satiety, um, and it's pretty affordable as well. You know, customer traffic at morning meal in the last quarter uh, was up a little bit compared to uh, the rest of commercial food service that was down 1% on a year-over-year basis. And then because of uh, cost pressures on consumers right now and the responses to inflation, and one of the one of the areas in the food service landscape with more momentum are convenience stores. And I'm not really talking about either retail on the shelf items. I'm talking about these what we call food forward convenience retailers who who do a better job at prepared foods. And uh, you'll notice across that landscape right now, uh, it's a pretty inexp- inexpensive uh, spot to pick up a cup of coffee and a breakfast sandwich on your way to the workplace. Digital commerce also is benefiting from demand for convenience, but Porta Latin says the way consumers engage with e-commerce is evolving from how they did during the pandemic, with many favoring the ease of ordering online, but opting to pick up their orders curbside rather than gamble with last-mile delivery, which often leaves something to be desired. You know, obviously during the pandemic, uh, we did a lot more of our food and beverage engagement uh, digitally, whether that was ordering groceries online or uh, ordering uh, restaurant meals uh, over an app. And, you know, I think you're going to continue to see uh, momentum in that regard. We're not going backward uh, to where we were. You may see some year-over-year uh, declines over the, you know, really disrupted uh, pandemic periods. But over the long haul, uh, one of the things that will differentiate top performers in the food and beverage space is those that are best in class at engaging the consumer digitally through the smartphone. Uh, that just seems to be the direction that we're going. And I think that in food, because we, we tend to think of that digital world as all being about delivery. And, you know, delivery in the e-commerce spectrum, spectrum works really well in a lot of non-food categories. You know, I could order a pair of sneakers online uh, I could get five-day shipping, so it's really inexpensive. Uh, there's plenty of margin there for people to make money and deliver those sneakers right to my front door. They can sit on my porch in the hot sun for a couple of hours until I get home to pick it up. Everything's fine. None of that works with a restaurant meal or a grocery basket. And so I think you're going to increasingly see the American consumer say when it comes to food, yes, I want to engage digitally online but I will own the last mile of delivery. I'll use my car, my time, my resources to come pick it up. And so I think you know, whether it's at a grocery retailer or at a restaurant, digitally ordered for pickup is where I think you'll continue to see momentum going forward. Others are seeking convenience in the form of fast meal solutions or ways to recreate at home restaurant-style meals that balance their desire for bold new flavors and cost savings. People are looking for that right intersection of value uh, versus um, convenience. So, you know, we all know we could go and, and, and scratch cook um, fairly inexpensively uh, if you know how to shop the grocery aisle. Uh, but we don't necessarily all have time to do that. So, you know, we're looking for those uh, solutions. Solve a problem for me. Take something off of my to-do list. And as a consumer, I'm very, very interested in that solution, especially if uh, you can help it be something that satisfies my desire for that delicious, you know, craveable item. Um, 
a lot of times, you know, consumers have been preparing more meals at home, uh, and we're tired of the same old thing. You know, we've exhausted our new repertoire. How do we recreate some of those bold flavors, some of those global cuisines uh, that we love to turn to restaurants for? Uh, how can we recreate those in our own kitchen without going to culinary school? Uh, so I think there's lots of opportunity to create those kinds of solutions uh, for consumers. And I, I think that's where you'll continue to see, uh, you know, some good innovation and, you know, great products uh, coming to market. Consumer interest and convenience is closely aligned with another macro trend influencing food choices, and that's wellness, specifically mental wellness and the idea of finding balance, be it between time and taste energy and expense, or functional nutrition and flavorful indulgence. According to Porta Latin, this is playing out by consumers seeking foods and beverages that feed both their physical well-being and their emotions. Consumers uh, are still very focused on those functional aspects of health, um, you know, various nutrients, how many calories, diet, exercise, all of those traditional things. What I see emerging out there uh, is an increasing awareness that our mental and emotional health is a key component of our physical health. And just as food and beverages play a direct role in our physical health, they also play a role in our mental and emotional health. Now, I, I believe the consumer was, was increasingly waking up to this concept before the pandemic. But there can be no doubt that at the depth of the pandemic, American consumers did a whole lot of stress eating. We saw all kinds of indulgent food and beverage categories see really big increases um, in, the, in 2020 in the, in, the, in, in the depth of the pandemic. You know, everything from ice cream to chocolate candy. Um, you know, we did a lot of at-home baking. And one of the things that we discovered is that um, comfort food is just that. It's comforting. Uh, and we began to see people have more eating occasions that were described as uh, this is stress relief or this helps with anxiety or this helps me sleep better or, you know, I just deserve this. I deserve a treat or a reward. And so those need states where we're thinking about our mental or emotional well-being are becoming a little bit more important. Uh, and so what consumers are doing is they're, they're finding a balance. We still care about diet and exercise. Uh, in fact, the, but what this ultimately means is that the consumer is going to curate something that works for them in their own unique and personal way. That's why uh, among people that say, I'm following a diet, when we say, what diet is that, the number one response is, it's a diet of my own making because they're saying, this is what works for me. And it might include, uh, maybe I'm fasting and I skip breakfast, uh, and maybe I have a protein shake for lunch, uh, and then by the end of the day, I deserve uh, a bowl of ice cream with some chocolate syrup on it. I've earned that. And so there are opportunities to engage consumers on both those things that have functional, nutritional, or physical health benefit, as well as those that just make us feel good, and it, they're really not mutually exclusive either, uh, by the way. You can, you can accomplish both. So, for example, we see uh, when we look at snack foods, for example, whether it's uh, sweet snacks or more savory snacks, 
the, uh, the snack foods that consumers are eating more of are ones that carry some sort of permissive attribute on the label. So it could be something that indicates this is a better choice than some other alternative, which is different than saying this is actually really healthy or good for you. It's just saying this is a better choice, like maybe this has reduced sugar or no added sugars, or maybe there is some actual functional benefit, like this particular snack food is high in protein or it has a lot of fiber in it or whatever the case may be. Um, Consumers are looking to those permissive uh, attributes to help fuel this behavior of saying, you know what, I get to have some of these uh, more satisfying treats from time to time. Just help me make a better choice. Other factors and trends, both emerging and waning, constantly cause consumers to shift their food selections. And the NPD group stays on top of them each year with its Eating Patterns in America report, which draws from several large data sets managed by the group. To learn more about the report or check out the latest edition, visit www.npd.com. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment in the future. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.